Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. And welcome to this week's Mum and Mama. It's just me this week because um, Harry's very busy working and I sound a bit rough because I've been cold. <laughs> so, yeah, sorry about that. But I hope you are well and you're not Work. too cold. It's not really cold, is it? Um, anyway, this week Work. the wonderful Joanna Fortune came back on to tell us all about her latest book which is out now, which is 15-minute parenting for teenagers. And again, it was so lovely to talk to her. I find it all so fascinating. And she's got some really good tips in there. So I hope you enjoy it. And don't forget to buy the book. It's available all good places where you get your books. And I'll see you on the other side. Bye. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Work. Work. Oh, I'm so excited. I was so looking forward to this. Sorry, I was late. That's all right. Oh, oh you, you weren't late at all. My gosh, on a Saturday morning, we're all doing fantastic just to be <laughs> I here. I know, exactly. We've all had a shower. That's a plus in life. Seriously, seriously. Yeah, nailing life this morning. Nailing life this morning. We've got it. I mean, my son's upstairs eating sweets from a treat tray, but I don't care. He oh, has I mean, one. He it's lockdown. You got to do what you got to do. He had an Indian takeaway at nine o'clock. He wanted his, <laughs> he wanted his left up. Oh, what, this morning? Yeah. Yeah. <gasps> that actually sounds lovely. I oh, see. Oh. I don't know. I could do Indian at nine o'clock in the morning. I like oh, it pizza, at night. Pizza, but... definitely. I've never done yes. anything like Indian in the mornings, but I do love an old leftover takeover in the mor- takeout in the morning. <laughs> oh, it's a bit like that. That looks wrong on every level. But I'll let, let you do it, whatever. No bother. Yeah. Pick your battles. Pick your Pick, battles. Yes. yes. <laughs> and we have the wonderful Joanna Fortune back with us today. Yay! I'm delighted to be here. I feel like it was only a couple of weeks ago that we spoke, but it was ages ago. Yeah. Yeah, that's scary, it? isn't it? 
it oh, I, I, I think no. it was back in March, April, would it, it have was, been? Yeah. Yeah, I think it was maybe May. Okay, it could, it could, yeah. Maybe yeah. May. But it certainly doesn't feel like it was as long ago as it was. I no. know. But so this year is first... a bit like that, isn't it? Like this year yeah. is a bit like what day oh. is it? What week is it? What month is it? It's all becoming just yeah. a bit What's of a my blur. Name? Who am I? How have you been? How did they go? Things have gone really, really well. And, you know, I think in one way I was like, I can't believe we're launching books, books plural in a pandemic, you know, when it's very difficult to be out there promoting and doing things around the book. But also there was something in us that was thinking, maybe this is the right time for this because this is like a huge demand time on parenting isn't it you know like we have this you're you're too and we're all back doing it now of course you know being homeschooling and working and trying to juggle a myriad of stuff and oh do it all with a smile and make sure everyone's having fun in the process like that's (laughs) that's not easy so maybe you know what we have seen is that the books are doing good again you know read the first two books in the series because I've just launched the third one like literally two weeks ago yeah. um but the first two books in the series are are doing really well um again which is great to see That's brilliant that and, and you said that um you said that they're charting on Amazon now, so they're exactly, the yeah. Oh, All three man. books were top twenty in child psychology wow, this week. My God, that's brilliant. So that's fan- brilliant. fantastic. And my new book was actually number one in Amazon's hot new releases. What? So God, that was fantastic for child psychology. Yeah. So we're just oh. like going, oh, that's amazing. But I think it does show that people are looking for new creative ways just to try to negotiate all of this water, you know, just to yeah, try and yeah. get through it that people are going, okay, I am open to creative suggestions around this. Yeah. Which is brilliant, isn't it? Oh, yeah. it's fantastic. Yeah. So Perfect. what is the new book? The new one is 15 minute parenting the teenage years. So now that we've done zero to seven and eight to 12 middle childhood, now it's those teenage years. And this one is no surprise, slightly longer than the other two, because we're going from 13 to 19. And then at the end, just a little bit about, you know, parenting an adult, you know, when your adult child and you, it almost, I think people must be reading on, are you joking me? Does this never end? And the truth is, no, it doesn't. (laughs) It just changes and grows and develops but um it was really important for me to to spotlight I work with all age groups but I actually always really loved working with teenagers I love their energy I love their attitude all of it the good and the bad and the challenging I just think teenagers have such a really savvy way of looking at the world and I just want to find creative ways to harness that energy and make it work for the parenting relationship instead of against it yeah I mean, I can't, the thought of actually parenting a teenager does terrify (laughs) me. I mean, my eldest daughter, Lola, is nine, but she's already, it's like she's 15. Like she's (laughs) always been, she's always been old for her age anyway. I think some kids still are, do you know, seven, but she's still a baby. Yes, it's so interesting. And I really don't think it was my doing because Lola's always been older. No, I think some kids are, they just have, they develop in that way emotionally where they take, they look at the world differently. And I also think that that preteen age is getting younger and younger or earlier Mm -hmm. and earlier all the time. And so, because I hear frequently people going, oh, my nine-year-old, I think I'm already doing the teen years. And I'm going, oh, I mean, like it might feel like that, but brace yourself when they really come. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think some, you know, it's one of those pieces about even when you don't have a teenager, what was, because I'm not parenting a teenager either. I was really drawing on my, you know, extensive work with teenagers, but you know, what it did bring up for me in writing this book, and I've heard already from people reading it, have had the same experience is, what was it like to be a teenager? And that really, for me, was like, oh, there were times I was going through sections of the book and feeling right back in it, you know, really like, oh my goodness, yeah, I was this teenager. Or yes, I was, I remember this struggle as a teenager. And I think it's really helpful. You know, all of the books, as you know, do ask that of the the reader to kind of do that introspection piece and reflect inwards to parent outwards. And this one is no different in that, but it's asking you to go back to what might have been those choppy teenage years and think about what was it like to be a teenager, but also how did you experience being parented? I mean, 
I don't know about you, but I'm just so glad that I got to do that without smartphones and social media being so oh you know, God, ubiquitous yeah. and everywhere. Yeah. I mean, they weren't a feature, thank goodness, of my adolescence. Yeah. No. And, you know, because all of those mistakes and the fumblings yeah. of adolescence, yeah. you know, as you're trying to find your way and you think you know yeah. everything and inside you yeah. actually fear you know nothing. So you have this kind of my outer exterior is I have it all nailed and inside I'm panicking all the time yeah. and I just I'm so glad that that wasn't showcased mm. for me yeah. on social media and that really I'm the one carrying that memory forward but there isn't photographic evidence of it oh, logged God, somewhere in the internet well they said didn't they club 18 to 30s is collapsing or it might be even collapse now because people want the Instagram holiday don't they they want yeah. photos to post on social media and you can't do that if you're off your face in an alley in Falaraki or whatever at, you know, <laughs> three o'clock in the morning people you don't want to see that no <laughs> you know, nobody that. wants to see that yeah nobody so maybe... wants to see that <laughs> and yeah, yeah I'm very but... glad that uh <laughs> not it that I was that bad yeah. No, but life through a lens has changed the whole territory, I think. And I do also think that being a teenager today is vastly different than even one generation ago. And of course, every generation we see these changes, but this is very stark. You know, being a teenager is nothing like what it was like when I was a teenager. And I'd like to think I'm not that old, you know. Well, that's, no, I still remember I, very clearly yeah. being a teenager. I can't believe I'm oh, 43 why? nearly. Like, I can't yeah. believe it. I still feel, I still remember it. It doesn't, and I oh, can't yeah, me too. I have to go through it with. <laughs> no, but I also think as well, when you see in the media, when you see these young people and, you know, there's the suicide is on the rise mm-hmm. and celebrity suicide, especially, and, and, you know, it's generally about a um, a crisis in life that somebody's had, or bullying, or you know, mm. something that somebody's endured. Like they've had to watch themselves on social media, um, you know, go through some mental health. And you, you, I do feel like it is. It's the suicide is obviously the fact that you want to end your life is something that because you've seen something and it's played over and over again, and the reactions that you get. Actually, it, I must be just mortifying, and it's it's a really stark look at your life, um, yeah. which I it, I think it really is. I think you're awful. absolutely right. We can forget. I can forget all the things that I did. My biggest thing from being a teenager is just feeling like I was totally disconnected from my parents, and they didn't yeah. understand what I was going through, and I wouldn't listen to them. So for me, that is my biggest going to be my biggest hurdle is if my if my girls feel the same how do you communicate to children that don't believe you know no <laughs> you know, I actually I, this is all so everything you're both saying is so relatable like one of the things that I've covered in this book is how to get heard through the soundproof walls and yeah. I think that's an awful lot it is about you know um developing a language to connect and I I think what you were saying, Harry, was really interesting to me, you know, that teenagers feeling overwhelmed and not being able to manage stresses and anxieties. And part of what was really important for me, and I mention it early in the book and then return to it slightly later on, but early in the book, I talk about how to avoid a fix or change agenda in parenting teenagers, that we don't as parents feel compelled to jump in solve the problem for them give them the answer and say now just go do what I've told you to do because actually there's no learning in that and what we teach our teenagers and that is you don't know how to do this for yourself you need me all the time so when not if when they're at those crossroads of big choices and decisions and uh uh-oh feelings and I'm not sure about this they don't have the skills to master Mm. those tension rousing experiences and that can lead to kind of feeling overwhelmed very easily feeling like the smallest of challenges is insurmountable for me and that I can't trust my own judgment which is vital in adolescence Mm. that you can have that inner voice going this is not such a great idea. So I have a whole piece about how and why you need to change or avoid that fix or change agenda. But I also included, because I'm so aware of how tempting it is as a parent to want to jump in and say, oh, 
yeah. no, don't do that do it this yeah. way oh no and partly Amy because of what you were saying because you know we remember being a teenager um so I've also included in here a roadmap um the problem solving roadmap is what I call it um in the book which gives you a kind of map a step-by-step how are you going to bring your teenager to the problem solving piece, but you're not doing it for them. You're just guiding. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Breaking it down into bite-sized pieces. That's what you're doing, but you're letting them do it. We have yeah. to actually allow our teenagers to gain mastery over yeah. tension. We have to allow them to go, yeah, this doesn't feel nice, but I I'm bigger than this and I'm stronger than this. And I can tolerate it not feeling good because I'll find a way out of it. And I have the skills to find my way out of it. And yeah. that's something that we're not seeing like more and more. We're seeing teenagers who are micromanaged, if you want, yeah. you know, a better term, you know, for in their parenting. And I think as well, Amy, what you were saying there is really resonating with me about that sense of feeling so lost as a teenager that you're utterly at sea emotionally, yeah. like nobody gets me. Yeah. Like you just don't understand. Like, why would I even try and talk to you about this? Yeah. Because especially and teenagers tell me this all the time like when they're having a struggle and they do try to talk about it and if they're met by a parent who's jumping in with oh here's what you should do don't be silly that's not a big deal and yeah. you're worrying about nothing and all of those mm -hmm. phrases as parents we default to because we want it to be okay for them we need yeah. them to be okay for us is yeah. actually teaching them don't bring me your problems don't don't yeah. bring those to me because I won't be able to hear they just want us to listen just so they can emotionally exhale and in hearing their own words spoken aloud, make better sense of what's going on. So a lot of this book, while there is heaps of play in there and how to grow your play up for teenagers, it's also about creative communication strategies. It's about going, okay, I have to have a tricky conversation or my teenager's just thrown something at me and I'm really caught in the back foot here. Don't panic, what will I do? It's to go, okay, yeah. Here's what you're going to do. This is the strategy you're going to use. Here's how you keep those doors of communication open. And in the process, Teflon coat yourself because it's not a pleasant parenting experience. <laughs> no. And they're going to throw that stuff at you and you're going to be like, it feels so deeply cutting and personal when yeah. it's not. It's a projection of icky, uncomfortable, struggling feelings they're having. And one way of trying to manage that icky, uncomfortable stuff is to you know, evacuate it, project it outwards onto a safe container. And as a parent, that's what we are for our kids. We're a safe emotional container. But in the moment, that can feel like quite the attack. Like, what are you, yeah. what happened here? How, how is this yeah. about me? What's going on? But I also think that in, you were recalling, Amy, you know, being that teenager and quite lost, I think it's really useful to pause and say, you know, how do I wish I had been responded to in those moments? Yes. You know, yeah. how do I wish my parents had spoken yeah. to me or reacted to me and all my behaviors and things that I was doing <laughs> and take that as your starting point? Yeah. Oh, I love all this. <laughs> you do, it does really make you think about things. I think I just wish that someone had just listened. Like you said, I just wanted to be heard, really, mm. because not everyone's got all the answers. And a lot of the stuff you're upset about as teenagers, it's it's sometimes to do with other people, isn't it? And you can't control them. Oh, it's just absolutely. how it affects you. Yeah, it is. And as a teenager, don't forget that you become very fixated on yourself and how yeah. you look and feel. But more than that, you become quite fixated very quickly in early to mid adolescence about what you perceive others are thinking and feeling yes. about you, how yes. others are judging yes. you. And as a parent, sometimes yeah. we can go, get over yourself. Nobody's thinking about you. But that's yeah. a terrible thing to say because yeah. I'm going, yeah. what are you talking about? No one's thinking yeah. about me. That's <laughs> even worse than them thinking yeah. badly of me because yeah. I just, I need to matter. I need to feature. But if I'm so fixated on what I think or I imagine others are thinking and feeling, what's really going on there is I'm playing out projections. I'm putting yeah. my own insecurities yeah. and I'm saying, well, I mean, don't we all love being right? Yeah, of course we do. So I'm putting yeah. it out there and going, well, I don't feel good about myself. And I know you all think the same. That means I'm right. So it's about trying to yeah. scaffold up that self-esteem um, in, in very kind of practical ways. But I think as a teenager, I mean, look at as adults in the history of having an emotional crisis. <laughs> is there anything more annoying than <laughs> someone saying, don't be daft. That's not happening. That's in your head. 
yeah you're yeah, imagining yeah. that especially and your going, parents exactly especially your parents. yeah exactly that you so you're just them. you just want to go oh yeah, i think wanna... it's about a and e isn't it a and e acceptance yeah. and empathy i accept yeah. that this is your yeah. current truth and i empathize with how awful that must feel yeah 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 when you get vindicated as well i think that's a a bit of a triumphant moment but I, but I also think as well it's really difficult when a child becomes a teenager because you like you don't want to like dampen their character dampen their you know you know that they're going through you know certain situations emotionally and you don't want to keep I guess nagging them or saying the same things or maybe talking to them about how they project or how they talk to you but it is a really tricky situation because I mean I've got like my Idris is like he's just like me he's got a big character he's he's very much louder than most children um and we've had a situation in school where they said you know he talks a lot well I used to talk a lot and his dad used to talk a lot so poor Idris has got no chance has he but and it's like how do I I want I and we've 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 had conversations about him talking but it's like I don't want to keep saying it because I don't want him to lose his personality because I love it you know I love oh and and that's who he is I love it I mean the talking a lot you know I just think it's it's more a reflection on a school system that expects children to be quiet for long periods of the day which Mm. isn't children's natural inclination you know um they're not wired to be quiet and sit and task complete they talk about it and think about it and feel about it all out loud all the time so you know I I I wouldn't actually over worry about that but what you might find interesting is that in the early stage of adolescence you know that kind of 12 even up to 14 years old you're in peak puberty but also you'll find that the communication patterns are shifting more to what is not said than what is said yeah and that as a parent puts you in the guessing mode you're trying to go yes. what, what's happening here what, what's actually happening what do you actually do <laughs> yeah. and so you become quite suspicious um and that's a, that brings a negative energy in and it, you know there's three stages to adolescence you've got that early stage but in mid-adolescence which is more kind of 15 to 17 years old you see increased distance then from parents and a, a heightened focus on what my peers are thinking about me and about yeah. what's going on with my peers so so I'm beginning that whole really sharp pull away to I'll check in with you, but you're not really an active part of my life. And that's very difficult as a parent. But yeah. then late adolescence, yeah. it's it should, generally speaking, that's 18 to 21 at this stage. It's about a balance of, you know, risk and reward. It's a balance of in and out. And you're beginning to come back to your parents. And that's kind of on the cusp of young adulthood. And I, I said to you guys the last time you spoke, you know, in early childhood, you know, our kids are in love with us. They think we know everything. And in yeah. mid-childhood, they're a little more cynical. They ask us a question, but then they want to double check it on Google just to be sure, <laughs> are we actually right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but in, in adolescence, they're just completely underwhelmed by us. Like, they're just yeah. like, you know yeah. nothing. Like, yeah. oh, yeah. My, yeah. how did I ever oh, think really, you had the yeah. answers? And I'm really and I, that's so about you. Oh, yeah. mortified. And, mortified. and you're, you're not even doing anything to be embarrassing no. yet. <laughs> or so I you think. Them. Yeah, that was that was the real thing that I have in my head is the sheer embarrassment of my mother at about I think it was about 14 onwards. And it was really quite I was like, you know, she didn't look like anybody else's mum at the school gates. She didn't behave like any mum at the school gates. And I remember when it was um, when they had the poll tax and my my mother refused to pay the poll tax and she was going to be sent to prison for 90 days and I was like and it was all in the papers and I was like oh my god that is like the worst thing that ever could happen to me but now I'm really proud yeah. of her because it kind yeah. of it's like that's who I am that, but you know that's Harry that's I it am. in a nutshell you know because actually how you know you're an adult is when you can recognize the limits of your parents and love them anyway yeah. you know when you can say and you can look back with that reflective functioning of I was mortified at the time but oh. now with fresh thinking and new perspective yeah. actually I'm really proud of her she was fantastic yeah. for doing that and I think it's so important like you know it's it's also why in writing this book so much of my own teenage self came up that I actually dedicated yeah. this book to my parents 
parents with an apology. <laughs> My teenage self is really sorry <laughs> because I was just going, it's so true. Like it, being a teenager is difficult, but parenting a teenager is really difficult too. Oh, God, and I yeah. think, you know, there are, there are what I love, you know, to frame for, because I, parents come to me and they go, oh, you know, this is going on and that's going on. Okay. And part of my job is to look at, okay, what is, albeit unpleasant, normal teenage behavior versus over and above that we don't psychopathologize everything our teenagers do or you know honestly we'd see them all as clinical cases but I think there are five adjustments in adolescence right and those are ignorance they're really positive words like ignorance estrangement <laughs> abandonment control and conflict okay and with ignorance it's this whole thing that your teenager needs more privacy from you so you know less therefore you want to know more so you're yeah. tempted to check their phone or yeah. to pry around their room or to intrude in that way and that's all about trying to be interested without being intrusive and that's a fine line in adolescence it really is but it's their need to have privacy from you so honestly if your teenager is super willing to have you on all their social media the therapist to me is saying I think they've second social media accounts that you don't know about <laughs> because yeah. actually they need privacy it's a developmental thing yeah. they actually need to have parts of their life that you don't know about yeah. and we all as, as teenagers did things that our parents never need to know about yes. because that was part of our discovery right but then if you yep. take that to estrangement you know this is like a process where your teenager is and again just bring to your mind how you did this yourself like your teenagers differentiating between themselves and their parents they don't want to be anything like their parents so no. that could be like hair dye piercings clothes music friends like they're just establishing I'm nothing like you. And yeah. again, we have to let that happen. We have to say, sure, no one was a teenager before you. No one has done what you're doing. <laughs> you are very special because actually I want you to be experimenting with new styles and tastes because it's about discovering. Yeah. It's individuality, isn't it? it yeah. And that's individual. so important, yeah. you know? For, for me, that was like my cure head phase and dress. Well, you don't want a carbon all of that. No, you don't want no. a carbon copy of yourself. You want you want them to flourish as as unique little individuals, don't you? you oh, totally. People. But but I think that can be hard because you've you've nurtured this little person and now they're setting themselves out as as other than you, and that leads into abandonment. Where Monsters as te they are. teenagers have less time for you. And you, you're yeah. casually saying, hey, we've got granny's 80th birthday this weekend. And they look at you like, well, I can't go. I have plans. Yeah. And you're going, I'm sorry, what? You have what now? <laughs> and it's all of this whole, well, you should have told me. And you need to respect my life and respect that I'm busy and respect Amy, that I have Amy outside like, of you. Look, Amy's having a heart attack over here because she's experiencing <laughs> some of this already. Pulling <laughs> way back now. Amy's now leaning away from us. Yeah. <laughs> But it's it's actually yeah. a phase. And the part of managing that is not to get into a conflict over it, but actually saying, let's you're you're right, giving them some wins on this and saying, Do you know what? You're right. I should have told you, even if in your head you're going, give me a break. Um, <laughs> and putting a calendar up on the wall and saying, I'm gonna put all the key family events that you must be at. So I'm laying down that boundary of you must be at these, but I'm gonna stick them up. So now you yeah. know well in advance what's coming and you've no reason. So these are the things you must do. And you can then arrange your schedule around these things yeah. so that you're kind of thinking ahead and working with this because otherwise you're, you have to hold in mind that this is also in adolescence an age of control. Your teenager believes they've left that age of command, you know, do as you're told, mm -hmm. and they've entered an age of consent. Hey, let's talk about it. Let's negotiate. <laughs> Um, I, I hear what you're saying and I fundamentally disagree. So let's now you do what I'm saying. So they think it's all about that, you know, and if you hold that place of because I said so, it's going to be very difficult in adolescence yes. and then lead yeah. into conflict and conflict is developmentally important. This is also how teenagers learn how to do, you know, and I spoke about rupture and repair in the last book as well, but it's how they learn how to negotiate argument and tension and work through it to a solution. But they do it in active ways, which could be, you know, shouting, swearing, slamming doors, 
or they do it in a passive way, which is, you know, when you ask them to bring the bins out and they say, yeah, yeah, I will in a minute. And, you know, half an hour goes by and they haven't done it. And then you say, hey, about those bins. And they're like, yeah, 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 I'm going to do it in a minute. And another half hour goes by. And eventually you are stomping past, muttering under your breath, bringing the bins out. And they look at you like, what's your problem? I told you I'd do it. Yeah. I mean, that's conflict played out passively. But again, those five things, ignorance, estrangement, abandonment, control and conflict, those five adjustments are absolutely vital in adolescence. They are super unpleasant, but really vital. But what's really important is as your teenager is going through those five adjustments, that your parenting also goes through those five adjustments. And adolescence is that time when you see can I or have I grown my parenting up in line with my child growing up? Because those parenting strategies you've been using in early and even mid-childhood, they're redundant now. This is like starting over. I always think of adolescence as a second bite at the developmental apple. The terrible twos quickly become the even worse twelves and thirteens, (laughs) you know, and except now they've got much more language when they're having those tantrums with you. But it is about boundaries and limit setting again, just as it was with your toddlers, except you're not now being able to say, hey, no ice cream because I said it's dinner. You're actually having to use those five adjustments to reestablish healthy boundaries and limits with your teenager. Yeah, it makes me laugh with um, Lola because when I, because when I when I went to pick her up that day, um, I, I went to pick her up from school, and Amy said, "Oh, could you wait on the other side of the road, not near the school?" I said, "Yeah, yeah, no problem, okay." But then I was re- really worried because I'm picking up somebody else's child, and I was yeah. like, "What if I don't see her? What if something happens yeah. to her?" And it's like, I know it's only a road away, but. I'm responsible for Amy's child at this point. I've got two other children in my car. So I came and I walked where Amy, where I know Amy usually stands. And I could see her stomping up the road. (laughs) And she had her eyes wide open at me. And I was like, oh my God, what have I done wrong? And she said, why are you standing there? And I went, because I was worried that I wouldn't see you and she was like but you but my mum said you were going to stand at the top of the road so I could walk there myself and I was like I'm really sorry Lola I it was my fault and I you know I was just worried and she was like but I've just wasted 65p like trying to phone my mum to tell you what to do and I was like I know and I just felt like I'd been like told off by a nine-year-old but it was yeah but it, but I can, I can absolutely see where she's coming from. It, it's a really nice experience to be able to walk out of school on your own, um, and your friends, I guess, to see you walk out of school and have some independence. Was, oh, know. and she is slap bang in that independence demanding yeah. phase, isn't she? At that age, oh, like, yes. and, and yeah. actually, you know. <laughs> But she is. And in, you know, in the second book, I talk about that, but she has a kind of quite over and above that she's very clear. Here's what I expect from you. And if we all just stick to our roles here, guys, it's going to be fine. But don't go changing (laughs) the rules midway. Um, And actually, that's really important. What she's saying is, I, I want certainty I want to be able to anticipate with certainty how this is going to go and be right about it because that makes me feel in control and that makes me feel really confident actually and when things change then I'm like didn't see that coming I don't have a pre-prepared map in my mind of how this is going to play out and now I'm really cross I'm really cross yeah I find it was like disappointment as well yeah disappointed that, that that she wasn't able to to, to do what she'd actually asked us to do. But obviously, you know, I didn't know that either. But it was, it was almost like the frustration, disappointment. She's like, what on earth are you doing? Yeah. And it is that those bits after school, you know, those casual bits of walking down to the gate or walking to yeah. the agreed road. And you have those few minutes of chatting to your friends with no grown-ups around. That's the nicest part of yeah. school. Like that, you know, all day you're surrounded by grown-ups watching and listening and guiding and d- yeah. directing even you what to do. That those bits of kind of casual, just me and my friends time with no grown-ups, they're yeah. little windows in my day, but that's what makes school special. Yeah, I never thought about it like that. Yeah. It's true though. It's true. But she's, can, yeah. She's funny because she wants to 
she wants to do the stuff on her own but then we live the school's on the other side of a very busy mm. road which it has a yeah. crossing but I, the amount of times I've been walking over it and a car's gone you know people okay. just don't look yeah. and I've explained yeah. this to yeah. her because she wanted to walk home to her she's got a tutor and it's just around the corner and she wanted to do that on her own and I was like I'm happy for you to do it but you need to cross the road with someone because I don't trust that obviously she's small and I was like people don't see me you know yeah, they yeah. might not see you True. but she she's also a worrier so she won't do it because she's worried so it's it's good because she does yeah. want to be older but then she also still is aware that, that yeah and a, a little bit of worry is no harm but you know yeah. what you're also right. talking about there is about risk and you know again risk is something for me that's really important in childhood that we let our kids take risks that we actually encourage them to get out there and take chances on things and from the youngest age that we're actually directing them towards healthy risk-taking behavior and exactly what you're talking about is healthy risk-taking behavior because it's all of those pieces about taking a chance can I cross this road should I, I want to be careful I'm a little bit worried about it can I do it or it's taking that chance of walking down to meet you at an agreed point instead yeah. of you coming right up to collect me or it's going to the shop on my own for the first time or it's doing all of those things but actually if your child does any kind of team sports I would also say that team sports um, have inherent chances of winning and losing so that risk is built in in a healthy way. So anything like that, going somewhere to meet friends outside of my typical school peer group, like a hobby that's quite removed from school, those kinds of things are healthy risk-taking behavior. Going up to a counter and having to interact with the barista or the sales assistant myself and ask for something and pay and get change and negotiate, that's healthy risk-taking. That's so good though for independence building, but also risk-taking because I have to put myself a little, not a lot, but a little out of my comfort zone. Then fast forward to those adolescents years when actually their brain has neurologically rewired in a way that the part of the teenage brain that develops super quickly is that thrill-seeking reward drive of do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. And the part of the brain that's, you know, weighs up kind of, oh, is that such a good idea now? Think about that. Uh, that doesn't develop until your mid-20s, at least for most of us. I mean, some people oh, it might well. take them a lot longer, you yeah. know, mid to late 20s for that part of the brain to fully develop. So teenagers are neurologically wired for impulsive, yeah, risk-taking behavior. Yeah. And and the weird thing about that is, is that it explains so much of what we as parents yeah. might call irrational teenage behavior where we go what were you thinking why would you do this and the answer is they weren't thinking (laughs) because actually the part of their brain that's on fire is going oh it's totally worth it do it yeah totally worth it and then afterwards they go I see what you mean now that was a terrible idea but But in the moment I wasn't aware of that and so we have to kind of parent with risk and that calls on us as parents to take a step back again and go inwards and say hang on, what's my relationship to risk? How do I feel about risk taking? Am I a risk taker or am I quite risk averse? And if you're struggling with that going, gosh, I don't know, I'd like to think I am. Ask a friend, ask a friend how they would describe you. Yeah, I think Lola Mm. is super sensible. I honestly, I think that she's going to be just a little treasure in life. She's just so like when you have conversations with her, she's 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 all knowing. She's very she's smart. She's um, I find like she's got a real logical kind of sense of uh, like where she is in an environment. Um, it's Idris and Juno I worry about because I think they are going to be like like risk takers. They both have got these hilarious personalities that are quite different from Lola. But Lola, I do think she's so smart and sensible last night that we need to get solar panels and need to stop using See? nuclear energy I, which is i love that she cares about the about positive yeah. good things and then um juno was at a friend's house last night after school she got home at 11 o'clock at night See? <laughs> and See? lona was like because juno says that she's going to stay with me until she's 45 but lona <laughs> said she was like she's not staying with you till she's 45 i'll stay with you <laughs> Yeah, she's, <laughs> she's gonna be out and I was like you're so but right but you know Lola. like Lola still has to <laughs> find her way to engage with risk because in adolescence she's going to be compelled to do it and yes. how she does yes. it could be joining an environmental lobby group 
group. It could be joining yeah. an activist yeah. group, like, but it's yeah. still risk-taking behavior. Going on a protest march or yeah. putting yourself out there to campaign, that's risk-taking behavior. Yeah. But it, it's the healthier side of it. But she will yes. have to because actually temptation is, is going to present itself and earlier yeah. and earlier in adolescence as, as the generations go by. And so she's going to have to balance that curiosity of well I wonder what that would be like with I don't think that's a good idea when actually the part of her brain that's going to be calling the shots is the thrill seeking reward so it's where she draws pleasure if she draws pleasure from you know implementing a recycling regime in her school super more power to her and that's going to be a great outlet but also (laughs) when someone says you know I've got a bottle of vodka that I just stole from home are you in that's yeah. a big decision for any yeah. teenager. You know, it yeah. really is. And immediately when I say that and anyone listening, you're going to go in your head, what was your impulse there? Did you go, oh, yes. Or did you go, no, bad idea. Like, <laughs> that, that's your answer. Went, Are you a went, risk taker? Oh, yes. or? <laughs> yeah. I went vodka, yes. I think, Joanna, you should um, write a book for the over 40s. Honest. you are not the first person to say that where's the 15 minute parenting the parent yeah. middle age years we are naughty when we yeah. get to over 40 I think the naughty 40s definitely but you know isn't that our own need as adults to play and it comes back to like yeah. what I've always said with this model the 15 minute parenting model isn't about a box of nice toys in the corner because play isn't about that play yeah. is a state of mind and a way of being and actually being playful is so so important i i've i've witnessed um a cotton ball snowball fight done with marshmallows in an, a home for the elderly where a group oh. of old ladies over 70 end up throwing marshmallows at each other <gasps> and starting from a place of I saying oh I, I couldn't possibly do that and all it takes is one of them to do it and then they're yeah. all in but the laughter <laughs> and the the shared joy um, that's so healthy because it releases all of those yeah. endorphins and happy hormones. And it reminds us that laughter is the, a great way to release residual tension. Yeah. I just think that's so important now that, yeah, when we get together as adults with our grown-up friends, as I try to explain that to my child, my grown-up friends, you know, and I, I now say that as if as if I need to explain to other adults <laughs> in my life that they're my grown-up <laughs> friends. But our grown-up friends is that we we become playful. And that might be sharing drinks, that might be chatting over a cheese board, that might be going for a run or a walk together, that might be just laughing. But what it is, is we're we're playing, we're playing with each other. And we need that. We we never stop needing this. So I I always think about things that you you wouldn't normally talk about with your, you know, family. I think I think that's why you've got when you get older, your friendship group becomes more aligned with how you are as a person rather than when you're in your 20s it didn't really matter because you weren't really sure of who you were and every kind of friend is a plus but you know when you get older having less friends that mean more is so important it's so important to your I guess for your next stage of your life your children will find their and they will you know fly the nest and it's so it's it's really important that we but you know it's even more than that because if we can model how we value our own friendships and how we take care of our friends and worry about our friends and you know if a friend is in a a difficult time that we reach out to them and we do something for them when we when we allow our teenagers our kids to see us do that we're teaching them how to treat friends we are teaching them about the importance of having relationships outside of the family and actually taking care of and we're also modeling what a friendship should feel like that actually it's give and take it's about minding each other and allowing ourselves to be minded by each other and it's about fun so I actually think having healthy adult friendships is really beneficial for our children to look at us as they're trying to negotiate friendships and know who's a good friend and who's good for me and not that they see us as we do it I think that's so important yeah definitely I've got um, I say often to my kids like about my friends because I've got friends that really make me laugh and I'm like it's so important to have people in your life that make you happy and I've also got lovely friends that make me baked goods (laughs) <laughs> like Harry. very important and oh very important. Of cookies and I'm like you need to have it's so important to have good people in your life that love and support you and not to have people that are poisonous do you know what I mean oh, like so, I think it's good yeah. for them to kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I talk to them about relationships and how it's 
you can't let people take advantage of you and make if people make you feel sad that's not a good yeah that's not good for anyone is it you know so hopefully I mean it's hard especially when they're not really listening to you because you're old and you don't know what you're talking about but I hope some if I keep kind of saying it hopefully one day it will resonate <laughs> no but it's it's no. in there do you know like because they will have a, a disappointing friendship they will have a hurtful yeah. friendship that's I I think that's a rite of passage actually I yes. we all yeah. have had yeah. that where yeah. a friendship we really invested in burned us and I don't think that's exclusive in childhood I think as adults we can experience yeah. that and you know the hurt that is the betrayal it's it can be worse than a breakup actually because of how much we invest yes. in our friendships yeah and I think it's important that when we see our teenagers and I know what I'm saying when not if when we see <laughs> our teenagers take up with what we know to be an inappropriate friend or a friend that we know is not good for them yeah. or doesn't have their best interests at heart or is taking advantage that we don't jump in with that fix or change agenda <laughs> and say wait till I tell you about this friend here yeah <laughs> because as soon as you do that you've just made that friend very appealing and I'm going to go out of my way to prove you wrong actually you have to create a space you can be curious and wondering and say you know I've noticed you're getting into a bit of trouble lately I've also noticed who you're with when that's going on do you like what's that about and what do you guys yeah. do together you can yeah. be curious um but you have to manage how you say that what you're really trying to do is create a space so when it all goes wrong and when there is the hurt and the betrayal that you're the person they turn to without fearing that I told you so yeah. but actually that you go come here kid we've all been there I'm so sorry you're having this experience and yeah. I think that's but I also think you're right Harry what you were saying about you know our kids are going to grow up and away from us that is the job of parenting ultimately yeah. to raise yeah. kids that do leave us yes. um, yeah. and that's part of what it is but also we have to make sure that we've invested yeah. in our own life our own relationships yeah. outside of our kids so that we our life continues you know yeah. it's not like okay my kids are gone now what do I do I have no friends outside of that school gate and all their kids are gone too what do we have in common anymore so yeah. you yeah. need that what I did want to um ha ha just ask you Joanna um and it's not moving away from topic, topic or anything, but is how to parent boys and girls differently, mm. which I think is, because um, I always feel like, um, you know, with, with the story of the, um, the young girl in Mitcham who was um, a attempted rape. And I've always said, you know, I'm really quite clear with Idris about boundaries and how to raise him properly and, um, and I always think that we raise girls to, um, you know, sort of look out for ourselves, be safe, don't wear this, do that, do that. We have a number of things we tell our girls to do all the time. And yet we're not, I don't feel like we do the same for boys. We don't say we need to parent boys differently. Um, I don't know whether you've got any insight on that, but it's quite an interesting subject oh, for me. I, I think it's really interesting and it actually starts so early, you know, the, the gendered um, lens of play and raising kids goes back to mm. the early toddler playground years. You know, there were studies done, um, you know, extensive studies and published yeah. in journals of psychology and child psychology that that looked at parents interacting with their kids on a playground and they noted that girls are four times more likely to be cautioned to be careful when climbing a fire pole while same age boys are encouraged to do just that yeah. you know so girls are, don't do that sweetie oh, you're gonna hurt yourself be careful whereas boys are like you got this kid go on do it do it so from the <laughs> earliest ages we're actually conditioning our children around fear and around it, how to interact and behave so we we are teaching our girls to avoid to be fearful and avoid okay. challenge while actually teaching our boys to master it and do just yeah. that and you know it, it, it's even deeper than that like it, it looks at how how you know we we condition our children as well about politeness and how we're much more likely to you know at, teach our girls to be mannerly and don't hurt yeah. people's feelings and say just just say thank you and we'll deal with it later and you know it reminds me I was watching you know one of that um that show Secret Life of little yes. kids oh yeah yeah, and yeah. they they did a, a, an experiment that it's a really old experiment and they repeated it where the teacher or the adult anyway with the kids had made lemonade and had replaced the sugar with salt and uh, but in presenting the lemonade to the group of 
first girls and then boys, you know, made a big thing of, oh, I've worked so hard at this. I, I hope you guys love it. I did it for you guys and really built it up and poured it. And the girls, you know, took a sip and you could say, mm, took a sip and it's salt. So, but they actually go, mm, that's really nice. I'm just not very thirsty ah. at the moment. Um, thank you for doing that. I'm going to drink that later. And they do all of this. Whereas oh, wow. when, when she gave it to the boys, they sipped it and their response was, that's disgusting. I'm not drinking that <laughs> straight away. And, you know, immediately we see that little girls from the youngest age are conditioned to be polite, to not yeah. offend anybody, to, you know, not hurt people's feelings, but also to attend to the other person's needs yeah, over your yeah. own. And so actually, it doesn't surprise me that, you know, as they grow and develop, that these gendered differences do play out. And I think that that's something we do need to be mindful of. I think if you walk through a yeah. children's clothing department, you see that played out. You know, with girls, it's all, you know, literally sunshine and lollipops and unicorns yeah. and sparkles and and with boys it's go get them and you know all and I because I have a, a toddler who's who's as exactly as you want a toddler robust and physical and active and I tend to buy a lot of her clothes from the so-called boys clothing section because yeah. they're more durable and loose fitting yeah. and conducive to explorative play whereas the girls clothing is like super tight and restrictive yeah. and yeah. full of frills and stuff that are like don't get me messy so we have to be really serious about how we challenge this and yeah. you know, clothes should just be clothes toys should just be toys and play yeah. should just be play but I think beyond that what you're talking about in terms of boundaries is vital that we have to teach both um, boys and girls and however your kids are identifying, we have to teach them that it's about respect for self and respect yeah. for others. Yeah. And that that is, actually yeah. surpasses everything because if you're doing something that is causing somebody else upset, you've broken that rule. You're not showing respect for others. And if you're doing something that puts yourself in a compromised position, hey, you forgot to show respect for yourself here. So actually having yeah. that as a baseline and then growing it up around consent and the boundaries and limit setting in early childhood, middle childhood and adolescence into young adulthood, they're a constant, but they shift. They are, yeah. you know, it's a different yeah. set of boundaries and limits and it's a different set of potential consequences. So, but if, if you have the, that place about respect for self, respect for others and about boundaries yeah. and limits, I'm going to give you space to move and make choices and take risks and experience things, but it will be done within my parental scaffolding that ultimately keeps you yeah. safe and stops you yeah. in the situation getting out of control so that by adolescence, probably more mid to late adolescence, you're internalizing that scaffolding so that you've got that yeah. inner state capacity to go, I'm going to stop me and my situation getting out of control here. Knowing yeah. about boundaries and limits like that also allows me to read other people and say, they're not enjoying what's happening here. Yeah. Be that about yeah. sex, mm -hmm. be that about going drinking, be that about friendship, you've got yeah. to create that so that I recognize when things have gotten out of control and I know how to stop. And that might mean that yeah. even though I left your house in a different outfit to what I'm wearing now, and I've drank, you know, half a liter of vodka and I'm somewhere I wasn't supposed to be and it's 2 a.m. and you think I'm sleeping in my friend's house. But now that my friend is vomiting everywhere, I know you're going to kill me but I also know I should call you to come and pick me up and get me and my friend yeah. home. Yeah. And you will yeah. get out of your bed at two o'clock and you'll be seething and you said, get into that car. You were in so much trouble, but inside you're going, thank God you called me. Yeah. Thank goodness you yeah, knew to I, call I me. So I think yeah. that situations when you recognize as a teenager, oh no, this is way bigger than me. I, we need somebody here. I'm in so much trouble, but I know my safe, trusted adult and charge my parent. Mm -hmm is the person I need to call because that's the scaffolding around me. You know, I think yeah. that that's really important. And that then transfers to when I'm negotiating boundaries and limits with my friendships and later with intimate partner relationships that I know how to hold respect for myself and to recognize this situation is out of control. Yeah. Yeah. I, I When I watch Idris and Juno play, I think they've got a, a lovely friendship it's it's um I actually I, I love it I I I think it's very special because 
I think they learn off each other and it's um and it's funny because when I talked to him about um Juno and him in school and they're in the same class but mm. I don't think they're as close in the class as they are when you know me and Amy get together or, or Juno comes here or we go there they're like they're, they're they're thick as thieves and he's got um he's got such wonderful things to say about her already at, at, you know he, he's known her since he was four and he's quite I, I find he's quite um he's very gentle with his words I love that because I think that yeah. Juno is teaching him yeah. um, a, a boy a very boisterous boy he's she's teaching him the behaviors of of the genders and I love it it's great it's it's wonderful and, and it's a lovely age there because they're both yeah. seven right so you yeah, know yeah. at that age there is still a bit of a gender difference in how kids yeah. negotiate friendships so actually in school it makes sense to me that they might not be as close as when they've just themselves because yeah. her friendships between seven and nine years old for girls are really kind of cementing into their little friendship cluster group it could be three or five kids that are my friends they're my group you know and uh, with boys it takes that little bit longer they're much more nine because until then it's like hey you've got a football and I'm into that so we're friends <laughs> let's yeah. play um, yeah. you know they they're not as selective as girls are now beginning to include and leave out they're about you're in you're out and yeah. you know with with small changes as they grow and develop beyond now that will be your girl's friendship group for school yeah someone yeah. you know might fall in or out or there, there could be some small change but generally speaking that's between seven and nine they're really kind of going I know who I want that's as my, my friend, friend. Yeah. this yeah. is them but then when I'm at home and it's different because I've grown up with this other kid you know we know each other since we're four yeah. Idris and I are pals or Juno and I are pals yeah. so actually we have a different rhythm it's a yeah. different feeling to that friendship because that's normalized. That's how we, and there's huge benefit to having friends that are my yeah. in-school friends. And there are huge benefits to having friends that are out because I think that should stay with you as they grow, because actually it means that if something goes wrong in school, I'm, I, yes. I have friends, yes. you know, I, I don't well, love when all of the friends are in one location. And I also think it's by having an extracurricular activity that's quite separate to school is, yes. is useful um, because actually it, it shows me that, you know, I'm having a problem here, but this is such a joy. And actually yeah. it allows me to balance and work out this feels good and this doesn't. So I something's wrong here. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, it, it allows yeah. me to work all of that out. Yeah, it's really interesting. It really is fascinating. Do, you really do need to do something for adults, for our yeah. definitely. <laughs> I'm telling you, yeah, 15-minute parenting, the middle age year is coming yeah, soon. Yeah, <laughs> I'll not too much, but thank you very much. Yeah, oh, thank my, you it's, much. it's absolute pleasure, as, you know, oh. as it was the last time to talk to you guys. Like, it feels like we're just like shooting the breeze. <laughs> I think yeah. we'll have you on again. We'll have you yes. on again. For sure. I would love that. Yeah, Definitely. I would love that. <laughs> we might try when we're when we're um we're not sort of doing this uh, lockdown pandemic COVID. Yes. We might try and try and, and meet you at some point. <gasps> yeah, that would be nice. That we'll would be amazing. Podcast, maybe we'll do a live podcast. Yes. I love that. I love that. Let's do that for sure. I love that. You're fab. And we will post your links. You're just you're just very easy to talk to. Oh, yes. but likewise, and I do like I do lots of podcasts, and I actually when when Kim said to me, "Oh, you know, will you?" I was like, "Yes, yes, I'm going to yeah. talk to them. That'll be fantastic. <laughs> It'll yeah. be fun." And there we go again. It's fun, and yes, I always but, think, you know, yes. keep it fun to get it done. If there isn't pleasure in what we're doing yeah. in our life, it's just such a chore, and yes. it's just something we endure rather than enjoy. And I'm all about finding moments of joy. That's what we need, yeah. especially right. now. Definitely yeah. would like to meet you one day. We'd love to meet your daughter as well. Send us oh, a picture of her. I will, I will, I will for sure. I, yeah. I think she's going to be um, a little firecracker, definitely. Oh, well, at the moment, she's very <laughs> taken with the US election at three and a half years old, and she has quite the unique interpretation. <laughs> it's very funny. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Wonderful. Thank you very much. Oh, like, okay, yeah, thank you. Bye, guys. Bye. Stay Bye. safe. Stay safe, stay sane. Yes, yes. 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 Definitely. Bye. Bye. Oh, 
Marcy, wasn't that lovely? I love her. I could just literally listen to her talk all day. She's got such a lovely voice and she's so interesting. Um, so yeah, we hope hope that helped you in some way. Um, and I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Please subscribe. It does help us out because it's nice to know that we're loved. And please share if you know anyone that you think could like it. You don't just have to be a parent. Well, I mean, it helps. <laughs> it doesn't. Um, and you should check out the other podcasts on the network as well. There are so many amazing podcasts. Everything's amazing. Share the life. Oh, God, I'm not well. Hopefully, by the time you're hearing this, I'll be better. But yeah, take care and have a lovely Sunday or whatever day it is Work. you're listening to this. Take care of yourselves and Work. each other. I think that's about it. Work. Big love. See you next week. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.